You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Morning, everyone, and welcome back to America's Web Radio. I'm Jack Christides, and this is Billion Dollar Ballers, the show discussing the business world of sports involving everything from the NCAA all the way up to the major leagues. We've got a great show for you this week. A lot of very exciting news. We've got the NBA on the return. Updates about the NFL, what, what to look forward to with both of those leagues as things continue to change with the fallout of the COVID-19 crisis. Got some college football updates. Uh, overall, a lot of content to cover, so we're just going to dive right in. Um, and uh, quickly at the beginning of this segment, uh, this week I wanted to take some time in our opening segment to discuss how COVID-19 has positively impacted the world. Um, I know that that might seem like a strange notion with how horrible everything has been unfolding recently, but uh, there are some positives that we can take from a time like this. It's easy to focus on the negative, uh, but some positive trends in the sports business world that uh, I believe could end up really resulting in uh, positive things for a long time to come. Um, And they may not have happened were it not for COVID-19. And the first one of those that I want to discuss is Dazen. Um, for those of you not familiar, uh, it's spelled D-A-Z-N. Dazen is a streaming service that popularly uh, streams fighters such as Canelo Alvarez, um, one of the biggest boxers right now. Uh, that's really their big focus is the boxing side of things. Um, but they've been trying to, to expand and really reach out to other sports lately, and uh, one of the things they just announced is that they're looking to raise $1 billion um, through donations. Uh, the reason is unclear at this time, but there are some potential options. Those would include uh, either a stock market listing, an IPO, uh, or just a diversification of their assets. Um, but this is big news, as a potential IPO had been previously discussed prior to COVID-19, um, and Back, at, back then, the effort was to raise $500 million. Um, they obviously halted that when COVID started, but it's great to see some big companies in the sports world trying to transition um, and kind of move forward with business as usual uh, as much as they can. Um, now, this also points to something else that we've discussed on this show in the past that I believe is a, a big trend in the sports world of today, even prior to COVID-19, uh, but perhaps being pushed forward even more so um, because of this virus, <clears throat> and that is the fact that Americans are increasingly um, wanting to consume their sports via streaming services as opposed to your typical network television channels, um, and it's popularly been called cutting the cord. A lot of families lately are they're getting rid of their cable. They don't need hundreds of channels. They just want to watch what they want to watch. And in many cases, uh, that includes sports. Now, um, we're not talking about your your everyday illegal streams that that all the people are finding online these days. Um, And we're not not talking about your Netflix streaming services, uh, nothing like that. We're talking about specialized streaming services here um, along the vein of of those NBA TVs or MLB TVs. privatized companies are becoming increasingly popular and and they're streaming sports in a way that we've never seen before. Um, We're talking the integration of new gambling side panels so that you can live bet the events as quickly as possible. Um, Things such as uh, 
not only on the gambling side, but also on the viewer side where you can watch multiple games at one time. Um, one of the popular things that you can do now is do the NFL Red Zone. Um, they're incorporating something like that where you can watch just the highlights of the big games as they come. It's really streamlining the whole viewership process. Uh, and in a recent report, uh, it was a report done by Grabo that suggested that 67% of sports fans in the United States would be, quote, willing to switch to streaming exclusively. I mean, that's a massive number, folks. Uh, this isn't just some small trend that a few people with the money are willing to do. I mean, this is something that the American public as a whole seems to be trending towards. Um, of those amount who said they would be willing to switch to streaming exclusively, 69% of them said they would be willing to spend up to $10 a month. $10 a month to watch just one sport. Uh, it, now, that might seem like a large number, but when you take into account what your total cable bill is right now um, and the fact that you can watch most network news for free online anyway, this could be a great way for you and or your family um, to not only still watch all the amazing sports that you want to, maybe even add some additional content, some behind the scenes or, uh, or different features that you don't currently have, um, but you're also going to save some money by potentially being able to cut your cord and, and not pay for all these channels that you don't even watch. Um, getting back into that Grabo report, it, it also suggested that 31% would be willing to pay $25 or more for this content. Um, now, what they're calling that subsection of people is the so-called superfans. Um, and, and if that is you, great. Um, they're going to be offering extra benefits to those people, exclusive coverage. Um, for those of you who are interested in gambling, um, insider tips, uh, daily picks, things of that nature. Um, essentially, you're, you're just paying a little bit extra, but you're getting extra benefits out of it. And, and that's another one of the things that's very appealing right now um, to everybody who's pushing these streaming services is, uh, is that you can, you can get exactly what you pay for and you always know what you are paying for. Um, again, a very appealing trend. It's, uh, it's obviously been something that's been pushed forward a little more during COVID. Um, I'd hesitate to say because of COVID, um, because we did see this happening before, but it's certainly been accelerated with COVID. Um, as people have obviously been stuck inside a lot of times through the quarantine, not able to do their daily activities. And, and when we lost the live sports there for quite a bit, um, we, were, we were watching most of our uh, content through things such as the Netflix or streaming UFC via, via the ESPN Plus or anything like that. And now it's just become so normalized, I think, that people are beginning to hop on the trend. And we're going to see for a long time um, it's going to continue to grow, and really I think it will end up taking over television as we know it, and you're going to end up seeing streaming as the main way to consume content, especially in the sports world. Moving forward a little bit, uh, just another positive thing that's coming out of the COVID-19 struggle but opportunity, um, and that is a company called Oculus. Now, Oculus is something that's existed in the sports world for a while now, um, especially when it comes to the, the ticketing side and, and the business side. Um, I know in my experience, when I've worked for some NFL teams, a lot of teams use the company Oculus uh, when they're pitching to different companies and, and C 
season ticket holders and things of that nature. And what Oculus specializes in is Oculus specializes in uh, VR, virtual reality technology, which in sports essentially can put you in the stadium without you even being in the stadium. So you can see where it could be extremely useful for a salesperson or something. Um, for example, giving a potential ticket buyer uh, the ability to see exactly what the field and the game would look like from their seat. And that's essentially how this company has been integrated um, in major sports leagues thus far, has been just kind of as a behind-the-scenes way um, for teams to, uh, to utilize some emerging technology to hopefully, hopefully help them on the business side. Um, but it's finally now becoming such a developed technology that we can actually start to think about integrating it with all the fans and on a, on a daily basis. Um, and, uh, and exciting news for Oculus just released as the NBA and Oculus came to a deal, which is going to bring the virtual reality technology to the bubble broadcast starting on Monday. So this is actually something that is immediately going to be implemented um, in the bubble down in Orlando. Um, and, and we'll get to see it and see how it does throughout this, uh, this kind of modified bubble playoff that we're in right now. Um, this is the first multi-year deal with a sports league for the industry-leading Oculus, and it signifies uh, further integration of its new technology into professional sports, as it should be a mainstay on NBA broadcasts uh, for years to come. Um, the exact length of the deal was not disclosed, but uh, it's set a minimum or at least three to four years. Um, so it'll be great to see as it continues to grow. Uh, eventually, this technology could reach a point where um, it becomes uh, even more affordable and all of you could have an Oculus system uh, set up in your home that uh, connects to the ones that are set up in the NBA stadiums and aligned with all the cameras. And, and you can essentially get that in-stadium feel for uh, for for your house without even having to buy a ticket, um, which is something that's revolutionary in uh, the sports viewership world, in my opinion. And it's something that's just really cool. I don't know in my lifetime that I ever thought that we'd be having virtual reality uh, as a reality to watch your favorite sports game. But it's here and it's now. Um, and uh, with uh, other applications, not only the realistic home viewing, again, this could integrate with the gambling as well. Um, you could gamble right there in your house through the Oculus while you're watching a game, and it's going to feel just like you're in an NBA stadium. Um, so there have been rumors of this going public as well, uh, and, and I believe that if this does go public, this company is an incredible investment. I'm obviously not uh, qualified to be giving out investment advice to all of you, but it is something that you, you should strongly look into, in my opinion, because I see nowhere but up. Um, and this is, again, the first deal we've seen with the major sports league. Um, and there, there will surely be many more to come. Um, just a, a quick tie-in before I tell you about the rest of the segments today. Uh, I, I, this also, with all the virtual reality, all the streaming services, all of that going on, I think that if there's one prediction that we can make from all of these things that are happening is it's going to further close the gap between in-home viewership and uh, attending games. So uh, it, it's been talked about by a lot of sports business professionals for a while now that the 
American sports fan often is overpaying uh, for a ticket to a sporting event. Um, and you're pretty much exclusively at this point paying for the experience that you get with the sporting event. Uh, with HD televisions and now this virtual reality and different streaming services, great broadcasters, uh, the ability to gamble at home, the days of going to sports games um, and paying top dollar for good seats is something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense anymore when you really think about it. So uh, we're either going to see a drop in the ticket prices um, or we're going to see less seats in stadiums. And in some of the newer stadiums, especially in the NFL, um, you can look at the one in Los Angeles right now, so the Chargers and the Rams, they already have less seating. Um, in there than any stadium before. So uh, something to look into, something to track, and uh, an emerging trend currently in the industry. Um, moving on, um, some of the next topics we're going to discuss, uh, analyzing the impact of the NBA bubble um, and, and a special focus on the advertising impact as we've seen a lot of changes as they're able uh, to get top dollar and, and a lot of new advertisers uh, through COVID, which is great. Some NFL announcements and changes. Uh, hard knocks has begun. The season's approaching. Um, not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but seems like we're going to have a season, which is obviously great. We're going to break down a little bit of what that's going to mean for the league from a financial standpoint. And then uh, some NCAA updates. Schools are closing. What will the impact of this lost season be? A lot of interesting stuff, and we'll get right back to it after a quick break. On a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, We're going to jump right into our second segment here. And in this segment, again, we are analyzing the impact of the NBA bubble uh, with a special focus on advertising impact in the NBA bubble. Um, And if you're like me, I'm a huge, huge NBA fan. I've been thoroughly enjoying the NBA playoffs. Um, And it it appears that the American American basketball fan is as well. Um, The ratings have never been higher for first-round series. And, and, again, we do have some great matchups, but I think it also represents how the demand has really spiked through all this COVID situation. Uh, just fans are starved for their sports right now, and we're getting to watch NBA playoff basketball at a time that we normally don't, and that's a great thing. Um, so 
with uh, with that being said, we're through, obviously, the uh, play-in games right into the playoffs in the middle of the first round. Some great games have been played so far. And as other sports are struggling, as other leagues are struggling, uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has been doing a tremendous job creating the bubble, firstly, uh, having league-wide zero-positive COVID tests, um, and assuming that the remainder of this 2019-2020 season goes on without a hitch, um, the association could be looking at huge financial windfall from advertisers. Um, they've been seeing great demand from advertisers in Orlando. Um, and, and not only great demand from uh, the broad sense of advertisers, but also new advertisers, advertisers that previously bought the NBA uh, are obviously likely to return. But it's extremely exciting to see the new advertisers that are coming in, including 25 new advertisers in the postseason to date. Um, Disney Advertising Sales said in a statement uh, via front office sports that they're anticipating the highest ad spend for any NBA postseason ever. Um, now that could potentially be some huge news for the league. Uh, as we talked about before, the NBA estimated that it had already lost a billion dollars in revenue uh, due to the season being suspended back on March 11th. Um, and it still stands to lose another billion dollars should the season be halted before the entirety of the NBA playoffs are played. Uh, I do think it's safe to say at this point that those playoffs are going to get played. I, there's no really no doubt in that department. It seems like the bubble's been working very well so far. Um, but it still is a billion-dollar question that we don't necessarily have all the answers to. Um, and sure... Advertising revenue can't make up for all of these losses on its own. Um, but it's pretty much all the NBA has right now. Obviously, they still don't have fans in attendance at Walt Disney World, so they can't make revenue through the ticket sales. Um, so they have to rely on these advertisers. And it's great to hear that the advertising spend has been increasing as quickly as it has. Um, ESPN, ABC, TNT, and NBA TV brought in $674 million in ad revenue um, for the 2018-19 season. That number fell to $549 million in the 19-20 year. Um, that being said, last year's NBA playoffs generated $932 million in ad sales alone. Uh, now, given the popularity of the NBA's brand right now, it's at an all-time high. They've got great young superstars. They've still got LeBron James, um, the, the established stars in the league. Um, so given, that, given those facts, uh, and the fact that people are still staying home to a degree, a lot of people either, uh, either working from home or finding themselves in new situations right now, uh, the fact is people are home. People are home during the pandemic. And there's every reason to believe that the ad sales could increase to the billion-dollar-plus mark uh, for the next NBA season. And that's really why it's so important for this current season to be completed Make sure all the promises you made to the current advertisers are withheld. Um, prove that you have a strong brand that can survive even a pandemic. And, and I think the NBA is going to continue to grow and continue to prosper. And really, if it's not already, become the, the, uh, the sports league that we widely accept as America's sport. I know people often say that football and the NFL is America's sport, but... Uh, at this rate, the NBA is surely going to surpass that. Um, and as of now, things are looking great for the league. 
But not everything is uh, so swimming for the NBA. Um, there are still a lot of problems uh, to be looked at. Again, they are losing over a billion dollars, at least a billion dollars, um, from all that has happened this year with COVID. And one of the immediate issues, which we've talked about before on the show, is that the cap will be lowered from its current $109.1 million before the 2020-2021 season. Um, there's obviously so much uncertainty with the coronavirus pandemic, but one thing is for sure, and that is that if you lose revenue, you can't sustain uh, an increase year over year on the salary cap. Um, so on the surface, um, it does make it more advantageous to build around younger players on cheaper contracts. So you think of teams such as the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, who are trotting out a starting lineup of uh, three or four players who have only been in the league for less than five years, um, in many cases still on their rookie contracts, and that, that's very advantageous for a team like that. Um, but it can also cause major problems for teams with bloated contracts. Um, in the past, we talked about that amnesty clause, um, where they might allow teams to uh, to get rid of one of those bloated contracts without taking a salary cap hit. Um, again, has not happened since the lockout, and it's certainly a rare, an extremely rare situation. But we're in uncertain times right now, um, and you can't rule anything out. So, I think we're going to see major reshuffling of some of the some of the rosters in the NBA, and it'll be interesting to track and watch that. It all really depends how much money, again, they make back in the ad revenue and, um, and how, how they're able to, uh, to stop the cap from taking too big of a hit. So we'll continue to track that. There's been no announcement as of yet. I wouldn't expect one until after the, uh, the playoffs are finished. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, as we saw, the draft lottery was last night. Uh, we're moving forward. You know, we can't pretend that... Uh, that it all ends with these playoffs. Um, the next season is coming up much quickly, much more quickly than people probably realize, and there's still a lot to shake out in the NBA. Uh, and, again, another one of those things that needs to shake out in the NBA, and, again, something we've talked about prior on this show, but we've got a recent update on the China situation with the NBA. So just a quick refresher. China is the second largest market for the NBA outside of the U.S. Um, it's the biggest place in terms of international advancement for the sport. There's a huge market there, um, estimates of $450 million market there. Um, and that's before you even account for the media deals that uh, the NBA has in China. Unfortunately, uh, some of those media deals have been called into question um, due to the executive order signed by President Donald Trump banning business with WeChat. Um, now, now, this might seem like it's not related to the NBA, but keep with me here. I'll explain um, exactly what that means for the NBA. And the connection here is a company called Tencent. Um, now, Tencent, uh, in the United States, a lot of people aren't familiar with Tencent, but in China, it's a huge streaming service, and it's actually how the NBA streams all of its games outside of the CCTV in China. Uh, the executive order that Donald Trump signed um, prohibiting business with WeChat, uh, which is actually a company owned by Tencent, c 
could cause business interruptions for Tencent, um, especially when it comes to doing business in the United States. Um, the executive order claims that Tencent's WeChat poses a threat to U.S. national security, foreign policy, and economy of the United States, um, and it bans the United States companies from doing business with them. Now, it's still unclear uh, exactly the impact this will have on Tencent, um, but the NBA and Tencent do currently have a $1.5 billion deal to stream NBA games in China. So, again, just another roadblock in a major market for the NBA. Uh, and I think it's too extreme to say that this deal will just fall through because of what President Trump's doing right now. But $1.5 billion at stake, I mean, that's no small number. And with all that's going on in the league currently, we can't afford these types of problems uh, in a market as large as China. Um, or the cap's just going to continue to get lowered, and next thing you know, we're, we're not going to be able to afford these contracts, and the NBA is going to find itself in major trouble. We're talking taking out loans against future earnings um, just to stay afloat. Again, I am an optimist. I don't want to look at things like that, but it's, it's something we can't just simply ignore. Um, the, uh, this, I mean, obviously compounded with Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey damaging uh, the valuation of the Chinese market um, back when he supported the Hong Kong protesters. It, it's been a rough six months uh, for the NBA in China. And uh, I'll leave you with, with one last thought on, on the NBA in China and everything that's going on over there, and that is, who is to say that the Chinese market for the NBA won't surpass the American market? And trust me, I'm, I love the NBA as much as the next guy, and I love my country as much as the next guy. But we can't overlook the fact that there are so many people that love the NBA in China, and it's still an emerging sport there. Uh, it's obviously the best basketball world in the league. What if it comes to the point where the league has to make a decision between the U.S. market or the Chinese market. Now, to, to the sports fan or the casual fan, it might seem like a no-brainer. Uh, you play in the United States. Many if, and most of your players are from the United States. Obviously, you pick the U.S. market. But as we've learned, as we've covered in every single show, sports is a business, and this is something that's going to be driven by dollars and cents. And if the Chinese market can offer more money, the league can't just simply ignore that. So they either need to make changes and adjust to somehow um, to somehow maintain both and maintain a healthy relationship, or the league is doomed to um, to face a tough decision in in the years to come. And new CBA coming up for the NBA. Uh, they'll collectively bargain. I'm sure things will be worked out. Um, Donald Trump has routinely supported uh, both the NBA and other major sports leagues before. Um, so I, I would have to imagine that he will find a way to work around this executive order uh, for the league's benefit. Um, but a very interesting story nonetheless. Um, now, before we move on to our next segment, I just would give a little preview of what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL announcements, some changes in the NFL. Um, and just a little warning to those big NFL fans out there, those 
NFL fans listening to the show right now that um, you might not like everything that I, I have to say. Uh, scary days ahead for the NFL, it's similar to what we were going through with the MLB, but fingers crossed everything can get worked out. We'll break down uh, where I think the, the league's going to struggle, where I think the league's going to be able to persevere, uh, and exactly how we can get the season off and running and give everyone the football that they deserve. Um, so with that, we'll go back to uh, one quick break before moving ahead with the NFL. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. A driver is someone who drives. It could be a car, a boat, a go-kart, or a float. A driver could also be a golf club with a big face that's supposed to hit a ball hard and long. Whatever you define as a driver, one fact is forever. A driver is someone or something that represents control. Who or what is driving your life right now? Maybe it's your boss, your brother, your mother, or even another. Whoever and whatever it may be, you are under their control. You might want to relegate this person into the back seat of your life as a sort of backseat driver. However, be careful with this action. Understand that the original backseat drivers weren't complainers. They were watching and actually could see better than those in the front. In the early days of fire engines, these backseat drivers were vital to the quick turns of the truck and for the safety of equipment. Today, we want to control our own life and our own legacy. What we need to do is to let go of the driving and let God steer our souls. The Bible says, my soul finds rest in God alone. He alone is my rock and my salvation. I will never be shaken. This is John Bryan bringing you today's key word. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Diving right in here to our coverage of professional sports, the business of professional sports to be exact, and right now discussing the NFL, uh, the impending return of the league, the start of the popular show Hard Knocks, uh, covering the Rams and Chargers this year uh, as they move into their new stadium. Uh, Dan Hard Knocks is something that I had originally said I wasn't positive would come back uh, with the virtual preseason to start and the shortened preseason as we all know um with the covid issues that have been going on but it's here uh and it's exciting stuff to be sure um quickly i'll cover how the league 
laid out the plan to return uh, some of the issues that they may have and some of the proposed solutions that they've already suggested all across the league. Um, the NFL and NFL Players Association finalized their last key financial issues related to this upcoming season, uh, paving the way for an on-time start to the regular season on September 10th. Uh, in the deal reached back in July after a vote by the union's 32-team representatives, um, the salary cap will remain at just under $200 million per team this season, um, but the cap will have a minimum of $175 million next season, um, with any shortfalls in revenue next year being made up by reducing the salary cap through the 2023 season. So again, as we've talked about, the way that contracts are structured in the NFL, it's it's typically uh, increasing over time in pay. And the reason that they do that is because uh, the salary cap generally increases year over year a certain percentage amount. Um, and again, as we've discussed in the past, when you revert, um, albeit out of necessity this time, um, to a system where the salary cap is reducing year over year as opposed to increasing year over year, um, you're going to have a problem as the escalating contracts begin to stack up and you run out of cap room. Um, and that's exactly what I think we're going to run into. Uh, it's going to cause many problems for teams. It's something that's not being discussed. Um, again, it's not the major focus of this segment, but I do just want to bring it up because it's something that uh, you, the fans, are going to see uh, very evidently. And, and you might not understand why your team can't afford to sign any new players uh, or why your team may not be able to even afford the players that they have on their roster currently in a few years, um, but again, that will be the reason that declining salary cap coupled with the structure of the current contracts increasing year over year. Um, thankfully, we'll be out of the woods by 2023. Um, that's the year that the salary cap is expected to have made up any shortfalls in revenue as a result of COVID. And that seems like a reasonable timetable to me. I think uh, by that time, this thing will uh, hopefully definitely be behind us. Um, and we'll be able to move forward and um, and recover the losses. Um, so that's definitely exciting. Uh, there's obviously the safety measures included in that deal that they had as well. Um, I'm not going to break down all of the uh, all of the safety measures that they have discussed. But one thing that's very interesting that they've briefly talked about is the idea for a quote unquote bubble-like environment possibility. Uh, for the NFL's postseason, which I think has to happen. I think it's the best way to move forward. I think we've seen it proven um, in the NBA and the UFC, uh, and, and to be frank, the NHL as well, although their success has been somewhat more limited. Um, but with the NHL, uh, or pardon me, with the NBA and the UFC, we've seen all-time highs in viewership, all-time highs in ad revenue, zero cases, zero positive tests, and it's all due to the fact that they're playing in bubble environments. Um, now, we've already seen with the MLB, uh, when you don't have a bubble environment, these athletes are human too. A lot of the times we, we kind of take them out of context and look at them almost as like a superhero or, and obviously as celebrity, um, but they're humans, and, and this virus obviously is something that can spread very quickly and very easily. Uh, it's, and it's been ravaging the MLB season so far. We've had many cases uh, in the MLB where 
uh, members of teams, large amounts of players have gotten COVID, and it's caused problems for the league as they haven't even been able to play many of their games. Um, they've had to postpone. Certain teams are at different uh, amounts of game, games played than others, and it's just a whole big mess. Um, and we have seen positive tests out of NFL players thus far as well, uh, and I think we'll continue to see them with the NFL not going to a bubble-like environment. That being said, um, with the NFL considering possibilities for a postseason bubble um, that would further protect players, coaches, staff members, everyone involved from the coronavirus during the most important games of the season. Uh, and at this point, I, I don't understand how the league can't think that this is the best way to go forward. Um, I think that they'll certainly um, be safer if they do this. Um, New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton broached that idea during a recent competition committee meeting, um, although the league has still made no commitment. Um, and they have announced that they are not sure whether it is something they can do legally. I have to imagine there's a legal workaround here. Um, but that secure environment, to make sure there is no risk uh, from the outside as teams start making the playoff drive, is something that I think simply has to be done if we want to preserve uh, not only this year uh, for a fan standpoint, but um, so that the NBA can aspire to achieve what the NBA has what the NBA has so far. Um, if the NFL can manage to increase their ad spend this year, they can mitigate the damage done by the loss of revenue from not having fans in the stadiums, um, not having concessions, parking, all those little things that allow these teams to spend millions of dollars on each player. Um, if they if they don't have a successful season this year, they're going to be hurting even more. And, uh, and teams, again, are going to run into a situation where, where, one, they can't pay their current players, Two, they don't have enough to sign uh, to sign new players, and it's just bad for all parties involved. So, fingers crossed, the NFL is able to figure it out, um, and they're certainly doing their their best. But uh, we'll see how it turns out. Um, moving forward, I, I did want to give a a very very brief update um, as to whether or not your favorite NFL team will be having fans in the stadiums. Um, something that's been hotly debated. They, many of the teams talked for a long time um, about insisting that they do have fans in their stadiums. I've spoken my beliefs in the past. I, I don't think it's a great idea to have the fans in the stadiums. Um, I'm all for opening the economy, opening businesses up. Uh, obviously, I'm all for watching professional sports as well. Um, but it's, it's very hard to regulate the fans in these stadiums. And if it, if it becomes an issue for the player safety and or anyone involved on the football staff, it's simply not a risk the league can afford to take. But here's where some of the teams in the league stand. Um, and we'll just go alphabetical order here. Uh, the Cardinals have made no official announcement. The Falcons have no fans through September. The Ravens awaiting approval. They want to have 7,500 fans. Um, the Bills, Panthers, Bears, Bengals, Browns, no announcement. Cowboys say they want to have a full stadium, but we'll see how that works out. Uh, Broncos and Lions, no announcement. Packers, no fans through September. Texans, no fans through at least the first home game. Colts, Jaguars, and Chiefs are going to have around a 25% capacity limit. 
Vegas Raiders, no fans at all for the whole season. Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, no announcement. Patriots, no fans through September. Saints, no fans at the first home game. Giants, Jets, Eagles, no fans until further notice. Steelers, plan to allow some fans, no no announcement on the amount. 49ers, Seahawks, Buccaneers, no official announcement. Titans, no fans for the first home game. And the Washington football team, still sounds hilarious to say. Hopefully they come up with a team name soon. No fans for the 2020 season. So um, if your favorite team hasn't made an announcement, uh, fingers crossed to you. Hopefully you can attend the game. Um, but if you can't, if you can't attend your favorite NFL NFL teams games this year, just know that it's to the benefit of your team, and and I'm sure um, that you'll have a wonderful experience viewing at home, uh, watching your entire team healthy, uh, and knowing that they'll be able to afford your favorite players in the years to come. A uh, few more NFL updates. Um, things uh, have been changing a lot this week in terms of how they're going to handle the COVID-19 situation. Uh, Commissioner Goodell has formed a COVID-19 advisory board to help make some decisions during the season that normally would fall under the competition committee's purview. Um, Now, they're not adding any new staff members. This won't be an added cost, so don't worry about that. It shouldn't affect the financials of the league. Um, But they will cover things such as um, trying to go out and attack some of these companies um, to increase advertisement uh, as there are more eyes on the sport to try to figure out how they can recoup their money um, without causing conflicts of interest. So very good to see that they're moving forward with some plan there. Um, The league did distribute travel and game day protocols to teams this week um, in order to minimize the number of people on the field before the game. Uh, there will be no cheerleaders, mascots, sideline reporters, obviously, or fans uh, on the field at any time this year. So the NFL game will look a little bit different. Um, and, again, those are, those are people who, uh, who work for the teams as well. Uh, one of the things that I, that I learned while working for the Los Angeles Chargers is just how involved um, the cheerleaders are fr- from a day-to-day standpoint um, with the operations of the team. Um, they're thought of as athletes on par with the NFL players. Um, I know it might not always seem like that when you're watching a broadcast, but, again, uh, another form of athlete who's been negatively impacted by COVID-19. An interesting note there, probably something a lot of people don't think about. Um, The feedback has been mixed on plastic masks designed by Oakley attached to helmets designed to minimize the spread of the virus during practices and games. I don't know if anyone has seen uh, these plastic masks, um, but uh, just imagine the visors the players wear over their eyes, over their mouths, under under the helmet there. Um, again, nothing that should really impact the business of the sport that much, but just another interesting point to talk about. The game's going to look different this year. Um, and, and when things are different, there is opportunity, um, but there is also risk. So, Again, I don't think it'll have a huge impact on anything. Um, something to take note of. Um, moving forward, uh, our last segment today is going to discuss NCAA updates. Um, schools across America have been closing. Obviously, this is not good for the schools and even worse for the athletic program. So we'll talk a little bit about the impact uh, 
of this lost season um, of college football and uh, how it may lead to lost athletic departments for some of your favorite collegiate programs out there. Um, so with that, we'll go into our last short break before coming back and talking some football. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. And welcome back to our final segment. Something my father always has said to me is, if you want to know someone's motivation, ask how they get paid. Likewise, if you're looking for a better understanding of why NCAA Division I athletic departments around the country have been exhausting all the options they can to play college football this season, look no further than the university's budget and revenue flow. Uh, something we've discussed in the past endlessly um, is how all of these athletic departments function on a revenue basis, uh, not on a profit basis. In fact, in many cases, they don't even make a profit. Um, and where does that revenue come from exactly? And, and we've answered it many times in the past, but to reiterate it further, it comes from football and basketball. Uh, and in many cases, uh, for schools that don't have one or the other, um, 75 to 85% of the revenue generated by athletic departments, which will again be recycled in to fund that athletic department the next year, uh, 75, 85% of that can come from either just baseball or just football or just basketball. Um, now, as multiple leagues across America have already pulled the plug on what appears to be a very challenging fall, um, they've been turning their sights to a potential spring season. Now, that includes a pair of Power Five conferences, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They've already shut down their seasons completely. Um, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are still pushing forward, but we're kind of seeing a, a tipping point in, uh, in NCAA football right now, especially Division I football, as certain teams are refusing to uh, abide by, uh, by their conference's recommendations. Um, I don't know if anyone saw comments by Ohio State. Ohio State recently contemplated leaving the Big Ten. Um, no news yet as to where they would go, but the athletes want to play. 
Uh, and personally, I, I think I think it's absolutely ridiculous for the NCAA not to allow these athletes to play. Um, you can't tell me what the difference is between the NBA, the NFL, uh, the MLB, and the NCAA. I mean, yes, these are college athletes, students first. I, I understand all that, but it's been done. I mean, we've seen professional sports leagues coming back. We know we can play sports right now. It seems like a simple solution to me. If you really want, um, which you surely should because the amount of money that you're going to lose, we've already seen athletic departments cut. We've seen sports teams cut. Um, we've heard multiple multiple executives, um, both from the leagues, the individual programs, and the conferences, uh, stating just how horrible it will be if there is no football for them this season on top of the fact that they're already going to have no fans, so they're already losing a ton of revenue. It seems so simple to me that you simply have to let these kids play. And I think the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have the right idea, uh, and I don't understand why the Big 10 and the Pac-12 can't, uh, can't figure this thing out. I mean, I'm just going to run you through some numbers here of total revenue um, from, from just their football programs. $210 million revenue. That's what Ohio State got last year uh, in total revenue. $115 million of that was directly from football. Their total expenses last year as an athletic department were $220 million. So that's a net $10 million loss. Now, uh, I would assume that they made that up through alumni donor and, uh, and, and other, other means, but on the face value, they lost $10 million. One of the most successful athletic departments in the country lost $10 million last year. And $115 million of their revenue came directly from football. And you're telling me that you're going to shut down Big Ten football? And that is clearly a horrible idea. I mean, it's going to be a real problem. If everyone shuts down, they're estimating a $4 billion loss as a whole, um, a development that would forever alter college-level sports. Uh, university systems have suffered hundreds of millions of dollars in losses thus far, and it could grow significantly if, uh, if these Power Five conferences continue to shut down their seasons. Um, athletic directors have already been refunding tickets for spring sports and student fees for the spring semester um, while instituting hiring freezes, layoffs, mandatory furloughs, and pay cuts for even the most high-profile coaches. Um, for Power 5 schools, losing college football is even more significant. Um, the TCU athletic director, uh, Jeremiah Dante, Donati, apologies, that if there's no football season or if football season is interrupted or shortened, there will be massive fallout. There would have to be massive cutbacks. Could the departments go on? Sure. It would probably look smaller. There would be potentially fewer sports and less programming. I'm not sure we would ever recover. End quote. I mean, if that doesn't tell you what you need to know, folks, I mean, this is, this is a real crisis 
um, that we're seeing in college athletics right now. And, and certain schools are going to be hit a lot harder than others. Um, I mean, when you take a school such as uh, Nebraska, 85% of Nebraska's revenue last year for their athletics department came directly from their football program. And we wonder why schools like Nebraska are essentially refusing not to play. Uh, but the question we have to ask ourselves here is, does it matter if a few teams want to play? Uh, that $4 billion mark is obviously horrible. Um, and, and you may say, like, at least if a few play, it won't be quite as bad. Um, but, but on a large scale... The difference between that $4 billion mark and if a handful of teams are able to come together and play a $3.5 billion mark, yes, it's a ton of money. It will have an impact. I'm not trying to say that that it's an all-or-nothing type deal. But I'm just saying I, I don't understand why we can't all play these sports, um, why we can't all strive to, to avoid a loss of revenue when it doesn't seem like it needs to happen. I mean, I understand shutting down your uh, your lacrosse, your soccer, baseball, with a few exceptions. Um, but football and basketball is something that I really don't think that they can making, be making this decision so hastily and refusing to go back on. Uh, and, and on that note of making the decision hastily, the Penn State Athletic Director, Sandy Barber, said, it is unclear to me whether or not there was a vote. No one's ever told me there was. I just don't know whether there was actually a vote by the chancellors and the president. As a college football fan, that should appall you. An athletic director in the Big Ten not understanding that there was a formal vote, I feel like we're going through the beginning of COVID all over again. Uh, things are bad. Yes, things. I know things are bad. You don't have to tell me things are bad. You, you have to be pragmatic when you're going through a situation like this. Uh, I mean, we saw what happened initially when we shut down the country. Businesses suffered. The economy suffered. We had people getting laid off, people getting furloughed. It was not a good time. And in my mind, that's because we rushed to make that decision. Now, the economy is doing well again. We've opened back up businesses. Um, and I don't see them closing anytime soon. And I don't know why we're not taking the same approach with sports. Sports is a business. And college sports is still a business. One of the, one of the funny quotes that I read um, that this past week is that this whole COVID scenario is really showing us that colleges are, in fact, football teams that, uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, that have academics as a side hustle. Not true, obviously. I mean, universities are academics first, but that sentiment is not uh, not too far off. I mean, the athletic departments, uh, we're talking about billions of dollars, um, billions of dollars of value in these programs. Um, and it's just something that's being overlooked and, and forgotten about when it should be treated as any other business and it should be opened back up, um, if at all possible. So a lot of issues right now in college football. I mean, I could... I could rant for days about everything that's going on. But my only hope is that hopefully they can come to a solution. Hopefully the Big Ten and the Pac-12 um, can revisit um, their decisions, realize they perhaps made them too hastily, 
try to preserve some of the money so that the universities aren't damaged um, even further because of incompetence by their conferences uh, or athletic departments. So that's, that's my take on it, and hopefully I can come back to you next week and tell you that they did that and that college football will be back. Looking forward more to next week. Um, got hopefully some more positive news. I will give you an official figure as uh, Frontline Sports should be coming out with an official figure on the advertising dollars for the NBA postseason so we can know just how well that's been going. Um, again, uh, the MLB is playing right now, so we'll have MLB updates. Uh, hopefully we'll take a look at their postseason as they consider the idea of potentially going to a bubble. Um, we'll discuss the NFL as it comes back, the success of Hard Knocks. Um, and again, uh, I know that we've covered the MLS briefly on this show, but next week I'm going to dedicate a larger portion of the show to the MLS just to talk about why the world's biggest sport, and, and that is soccer, although it might not seem like it in the United States, uh, we're going to discuss why the MLS at a time where all other sports leagues have increased viewership and increased ad spend, why did the MLS suffer um, in their comeback? And it's not exactly what you might think. There are a few key um, business issues with their return. Um, I guess a little hint here, but similar to what we talked about with the Premier Lacrosse League, just some key business issues uh, and some flaws in their plan that led um, to a, a less successful comeback tournament than maybe some would have expected. Um, I think they're going to need to make some big changes if they're going to continue their upward trend and try to catch up to the big three of the NBA, the MLB, and the NFL. Um, so it should be a great show uh, next week. Tune in if you can. going to cover some interesting and new topics. Definitely looking forward to it. And as always, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, got a little heated at times. Definitely talked about... Um, some things that uh, some problems in the sport business world at this time, but uh, hopefully you also enjoyed the segments about some of the positives. Um, going to try to bring some more positive stories to the show in the future as well, um, just to show that if you treat anything as an opportunity, um, then you'll generally make out better than someone who doesn't. Um, with that being said, I'm Jack Christides. This has been Billion Dollar Ballers. Thank you for tuning in on America's Web Radio. Uh, can't wait for next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.